Pleased to be joined on the line with Leah Hextall. Leah, thanks for doing this today. Pleasure to be here with you, Dave. How are you doing without hockey? <laughs> Not well. How are you hang how are you hanging in there? Well, I've been a little less busy, but it looks like I'm going to get a little more busy next week because we're here to talk about something pretty exciting. Yeah, so the MJHL's first ever roundtable, and the guest list is incredible. You're going to be hosting this event. How did uh, they approach you with this idea to do an MJHL virtual roundtable? Well, I have to give all credit to their brand new commissioner, Kevin Surratt. This really was his brainchild, as we all know, and and I hope you're doing well and your family and friends are doing well too, but we are in a worldwide pandemic right now, and obviously that has affected every community, including the sports community. And Kevin's concern was that, you know, this was going to affect his 11 teams within his organization and within his league because, as we know, fans likely won't be able to be in the stands to watch hockey for a while in all sports. So he came up with this concept, and he rang me up, and Kevin and I have actually known each other since high school, so uh, I have a long relationship with him, and I just thought this was an excellent idea. But when we got to it, I did not expect it to be this star-studded of a lineup. I have to tell you, Dave, I'm actually kind of intimidated about (laughs) the class of people that I'm going to be chatting with next week over the three days. Yeah, and let's get into that because the first panel, I I think the first panel is maybe going to be the most intriguing uh, with all due respect to everybody else, but Cassie Campbell, Pascal, Bridget Laquette, and Mary Philippe Poulin. That is unbelievable. Well, you you know, you just think of those names right there. Marie Philippe Poulin, I mean, she's, you know, let's not argue about it. She's the greatest player to play the game right now in women's hockey. Bridget Laquette, everything she's done, she's a local kid. She's really made a name for herself. And what she's done after winning that Olympic silver and how she has been such a role model for the Indigenous community, we're going to, you know, and right now, diversity, we're talking about it everywhere. And the world of hockey is talking about it right now. So it's going to be a great discussion there. And then Cassie Campbell-Pascal, the ultimate trailblazer, she's doing so much. She's back working with the national team. And all three of these women together are also fighting for women's hockey to have the WNHL. And obviously that has hit a bit of a wall with the pandemic, as everything has. But just having these women here to share their stories, but also to talk about the grassroots level, what we need for young girls to remain in the sport. We're seeing young girls in sport drop out by the age of 12, 60% more likelihood of that than little boys. Why is that happening? We're going to get into that. And then we got to talk about a sustainable professional game for the women and how we get there. You talk about reaching people at the grassroots. That's really huge, especially for this area of Manitoba. Uh, to, to give parents a little bit more of an insight as to, to the tools they'll need to help support their, little, their, their girls in their dreams and to have four incredibly talented uh, women together speaking about the game like that, this might be something that's, that goes a lot deeper than just from hockey, right? I think so. I mean, we have to start talking about representation. And it's, you know, for myself and Cassie, um, as you know, some people may know or not, we had the chance to have an all-female broadcast team to call an NHL game back in March before the league shut down. And that was a first for the NHL and for Sportsnet. And I have to say, I mean, the reception to that was so positive. And I think we're there. We're there, and it's now time to push it forward and push for that progress because these young girls who are playing right now deserve to know that there's a professional league that they can aim to play for. They can also aim to go to university and every opportunity that their counter male counterparts have, that they also have that. And you need representation, women representing in the game of hockey in order for that to happen. 
Session two is is very much like session one. When you think about the giant steps uh, we hope to take in the women's game, I feel we've taken giant steps in the mental health and wellness aspect of hockey as well. A lot of teams, uh, even in junior hockey, now have uh, people in place to help with the mental side of the game. And Corey Hirsch and Theron Fleury are going to be in session two. This is another real positive for, for parents and for players of all ages to listen in on. It absolutely is, and I would add coaches into that. I've had some very interesting conversations with Corey and Theo in preparation for this, and, you know, we have to remember that these kids are being coached by people in their most, you know, vulnerable time, quite frankly, when they're learning, and everything they see, they digest, and we really have to look at our own behaviors as parents and coaches and what we're teaching our children. You know, Corey and Theo's message, they're different messages. They have different mental health stories, which we're going to get into that, you know, just I I can't believe what they've both managed to overcome and how they've been such advocates for it. But they really have put it on the map. And now, I mean, I don't know about you, Dave, but five years ago, we weren't having conversations like this about mental health and it has really opened the door and you know it's also what people have to realize is that we know that the mental side of the game is as important as the skill and the physical side of the game so if players are struggling if they get help their game is going to be better and their world is going to be better and that's what it's all about in hearing from two professional athletes, I mean, uh, uh, Fleury, a Stanley Cup champion, uh, on how important it is to have that support at a young age. You talked about, uh, you know, 60% of young girls are quitting hockey, but it, that number's got to be in the same ballpark for all people or all kids of all ages, maybe because of the way that they're being treated by a coach. This is important for kids to be able to speak out, to know that it's okay to talk uh, to their parents when it's not okay. Yes, and that's exactly what Corey said, and that's what he said to me when we were speaking earlier, is that it's about opening the door to conversation. He wants to talk to coaches about what to look for in their dressing room, how to identify maybe kids who are struggling, and to ask those questions as simple as they are, are you okay? And making them comfortable enough to be able to speak up about it. And same thing for parents at home. It can be as simple as just asking, and you never know what might come out. And then from there, when it is identified, where do you go? Who do you go to to ask for help from there to make sure that the kids get what they need? And we're not just talking about young kids. We're talking about players all the way up to the adult level and in the professional game because this scope, really, it goes outside of hockey, as we all know. And I think we're in a time period right now where mental health has just been at the forefront. And I think it's going to be, honestly, it's going to be the conversation that steps the most outside of hockey. And I think people of any, you know, age or diversity or economic background can take away from this mental health conversation. So we move from uh, past and current women's hockey players to uh, past NHLers to current NHLers uh, for session three. Ryan Pulak of the New York Islanders and his head coach, Barry Trotz, uh, formerly a coach of the Dauphin Kings in the MJHL, will be at uh, roundtable number three. Uh, I mean, to get current NHLers, even though they're not busy, they are gearing up. That's a pretty cool get that uh, the MJHL gets these two amazing people. Well, first of all, they both have Manitoba connections. We know that they're proud Manitobans. But what I love about this, Dave, and I I said this to the organizers at the MJ, I have never sat down 
with a coach and player that are currently together on the same team. That is very rare, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. I, uh, you know, Ryan's probably going to hate me after this. I've known Ryan and his family since he was a 16-year-old uh, with that huge clapper from the blue line for the Brandon Wheat Kings. But, I mean, this is so intriguing to be able to talk about, you know, for Ryan, what was it like at the Islanders before Barry came in and the other way around for Barry coming off a Stanley Cup win with the Washington Capitals and coaching the likes of Ovechkin to come into a different franchise. And, you know, just talking about that player-coach relationship, I think it's going to be a really great conversation that we don't always get to see. Is this going to be more of X's and O's behind the scenes, breaking down different strategies when it comes to how you coach a defenseman like Ryan, who, who like you said, had that incredible shot in Brandon and, and was really known as an offensive guy, but he's, he's uh, elevated his game into a defensive role. Are we going to get more technical now that you got a current uh, NHL player and coach? You know, I think when it comes to X's and O's that, you know, the one thing we want to make sure is that we're inclusive. We know that a lot of coaches and players are going to tune into this and they're going to want to talk hockey, and we're definitely going to do that. But we also have to make sure that, you know, we talk about other things that matter because as we just spoke to, you know, the mental health side of it, um, really I think one of the big things now is how coaches coach these young players. I mean, we have players coming in as teenagers and the communication levels between them. You know, for Barry, I want to talk about what it's like to coach Alexander Ovechkin. How do you coach the greatest goal scorer of all time? How do you make him better? So there will be that X's and O's for, you know, for coaches and for players, but there's also going to be a lot of storytelling, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Do you think he wears the, the Stanley Cup ring? Or now that he's with the <laughs> Islanders, do you think he, that's just in a box somewhere special? First of all, the Islanders have enough Stanley Cup rings. They're one of the greatest <laughs> dynasties ever. So uh, I don't think he can stretch too much around there. But I have a feeling that, you know, that was then and this is now. Yeah, and uh, they're going to get ready to go on, a, uh, hopefully for them, a lengthy run. Absolutely. Uh, session four. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to say his last name properly, but uh, he is a world-renowned doctor when it comes to physical literacy and performance in the game of hockey. Can you Let maybe, me do it for you, yeah. Dr. Dean Krelars. Krelars. Yeah. All right, can you maybe explain what this session is going to focus on? Because yeah. I'm not too sure what fit, uh, physical literacy and performance of the game of hockey really means. First of all, Dr. Krelars is, as you mentioned, world-renowned. He also, he's done tons of work outside of USA Hockey and, and whatnot. He's also done a ton of work with Cirque du Soleil. Uh, and when you talk about physical strength, I mean, we've all seen those shows before. So he really is the leading expert in his field. We are going to really get into a great conversation about what physical literacy means. And for some people, as we know, they play hockey all year around now. And is that really the best thing for kids? How should kids be off-ice training? What makes a good athlete physically and mentally? Um, you know, the gender gap. How do we overcome it when it comes to physical training? Different things like that. How coaches should be looking at drills. You know, should they not be doing the same kind of horseshoe drill over and over and over again? The world has really changed when it comes to the physicality of the game, making athletes more durable, making them aware of those other intangibles, things that they can modify, whether it's their sleep quality, their nutrition, hydration, all those things with the science of sport now have come into play. And we're going to have a really honest conversation about what, you know, for parents and coaches, what really should be going on with these young kids because, you know, you want to make sure at the end of the day that they're durable and that they get to play the sport sports they love for the rest of their lives. There is a total of six sessions that are going to be taking place uh, starting 
with, of course, the, the wonderful women's panel. Number five, I'm a little concerned with, only because I've seen Dan tweet out there may be dad jokes, and I know how funny that uh, that Dan really can be. But uh, formerly of the Golden Knights, it's he's an Emmy Award winner, social media expert, and in this day and age, Leah, uh, the, the number five roundtable is so important. Tell us a little bit more about Dan and, and what that roundtable, or sorry, that, uh, that session is going to bring. Dan Maraza is going to be here with us, and this is such a find for the league. I consider him a friend, and when you talk about him being an employee of the Golden Knights, he was one of the original employees. We're talking he was there when there was a handful of people, and he had to build that brand on social media from the ground up without a team, without a coach, without a name for a while, and he was a genius in the way he did it. He has set the bar for the limit that you can go. He taught us how to be edgy and fun and informative on social media, but he's really going to get into how players can utilize social media but also be safe with it. He's going to talk about how teams and organizations, the buy-in that you need from hockey ops, the buy-in that you need from your coaches to make sure that you are connecting with your fans, and how important, Dave, is this going to be when fans aren't allowed in the stands? Social media may be the only way you are connecting with your fan base. So it's really going to take on an even bigger presence in the world of hockey. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. I think it's going to be very educational for people, not only in hockey, but if you're a marketing person, you should tune in because Dan definitely knows what he's doing. Oh, for sure. And it doesn't have to just be in hockey. This is great for small businesses. This is great for every walk of life because, like you said, the world has changed a little bit. We've had to adjust. And, And while this may be focused around hockey, social media is now in every aspect of our lives, Leah. Absolutely it is. And, you know, and we have to, you know, we've learned, especially with what's going on with Black Lives Matter, that now silence is not acceptable. And you've seen all of the teams within the National Hockey League and other organizations coming out with statements. You know, how do you handle that as an organization? Do you need to have prepared statements? There's so much to think about. And you can also make very critical mistakes that can be horrible for your organization if you don't handle it right. And Dan is going to address all of that in his conversation. And, you know, it's I'm sitting here talking about right now, and these are 30 to 40-minute sessions, and I have a feeling some of them are going to go over. So be prepared for a little <laughs> bit longer. Yes, and I want to talk a little bit more about uh, how you're getting ready for these sessions. But first, I want to get to uh, maybe the, the biggest names in the coaching world. Yeah. My, I'm so excited for this one because I'm a big Maple Leafs guy. So of course you are. I'm going to be riveted when you're talking to Sheldon Keefe. Uh, I've met Paul Maurice. Yeah, he's pretty good at what he does too. But uh, those two coaches, uh, again, taking time away from getting ready for the playoffs in, in such a weird, weird time. These, these two gentlemen for session six to wrap it up, Leah, th- it's just incredible. What can we expect? Well, I think what everybody needs to know is Sheldon Keefe, he used to be the GM and owner of the Pembroke Lumber Kings, and then he started coaching there, and that's really where he began his career was in the CJHL with the BCHL. So he is got a very strong connection, and that's a big reason why he agreed to join us today, or pardon me, on the next week. And, um, you know, these are two, what I'm excited about is these two coaches, are both coaches that came up through the junior ranks. And to talk about what they learned from junior, that is still part of their foundation as NHL coaches and vice versa. What do you wish you could tell yourself back at that age? You have a coach like Paul Maurice who, you know, when he came into the NHL was the second youngest coach to ever be a head coach. What's the difference between coaching players then and now? These two coaches, Sheldon and Paul, are two of the best orators and communicators in the game. They both have 
talent on their team in teenagers that came in as teenagers in Austin Matthews and also with Patrick Liney. How do you communicate with those players? And, uh, you know, Sheldon is really the new age coach that everyone seems to be looking to, one of the highest winning percentages of a head coach at all different levels. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about junior hockey. I think if you are a coach or player, you know, I think anybody can be interested in this, but if you're a coach and you're not tuning into this, I don't know. You're not doing it right. Let's put it that way. Yeah, because Sheldon's story is fascinating because he was that highly touted prospect at one point, and and he started getting into trouble, and he had to fight his way through. He had a he had a rough reputation, and and he had to earn everything that he was, uh, you know, he had to earn everything back that he he kind of lost. And for for Paul, he went through one of the toughest stretches of a coach, you know, questioning is he going to be fired? Should he be fired? He had to live through a, a lot of pressure this year, and, and he's come out pretty good on the other side. So both these guys, they have a pretty incredible story to tell. They absolutely do, and, and we will be speaking about their story as well as also you know coaching strategies for this new age of player. But, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited about that final conversation. And, you know, and I love the contrast between it. You have Paul, who's been coaching since he was a young man, uh, you know, he's been, what, you know, almost 30 years as a coach already, and he's still only 53. Uh, and then you have Sheldon, who's relatively new to the National Hockey League, but has had so much success in his coaching career, you know, winning a Calder Cup with the Marlies and going to OHL, you know, uh, finals, but running into the Erie Otters and Connor McDavid, so not quite capturing it there, but, you know, and having so much success in Pembroke, you know, going to an RBC Cup and losing in the finals. So he's really, all he's done is win, and, you know, he is in the hockey mech of the world, your favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, <laughs> but really, he has a very high-pressure job, and Paul knows exactly how that was, because pressure here in Winnipeg, but he also used to coach in Toronto, so I think these two are going to be a really interesting conversation. Yeah, and we we were lucky enough to have Paul Marie speak at the Fire and Ice Banquet in Steinbeck uh, a couple of years ago. Pay attention because he's he's hilarious. He's got some sneaky comments where he could be very like straight faced, but he can he can joke around with the best of them. He's a a really really down to earth guy. Yeah, he's great, and his uh, his young son Jake is the voice for the Winnipeg Blues in the play by play role, and uh, so you know I know that he's got a connection to the MJHL as well. Leah, so uh, that's the six sessions. It's going to be an incredible ride, and we all cannot wait for that. Uh, how can people register? Where can they get information? And uh, tell us a little bit about that. So it's going to be from June 22nd to 24th. The sessions are at 6.30 Central and then again at 8 Central. There's two a night over the three days. You can go to mjhlhockey.ca. That's the landing page. There's a different registration for each session but if you go to the landing page click the link it will take you right there and the biggest thing Dave and I can't believe I haven't said this yet is that this is free this is free this caliber of athletes and individuals and advocates and doctors and it's all free so you just have to sign up and there is an option to donate because this is in uh, support for COVID relief for all 11 clubs um, but, you know, whether it's a dollar or five, that's not what this is about. This is about educating, connecting, and for a chance for players, coaches, parents to learn, uh, you know, and just the general public. And I think we're just going to have a great time. All right, Leah. So the, the panelists are going to be incredible. It's going to be an, an awesome week for us to watch. How are you dealing with it? Because you got to leave these panels, and uh, we know how much work has to go into these. How are you doing as you get ready for this big week? Well, the the hardest challenge for me is, you know, the bios of each of these people could take up the 30-minute session. So, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how to cold note their bios alone because they're all so accomplished. But other than that, 
you know, I've reached out to all the panelists because for me, it's about their opinions, about the topics they think are important now. So my job is really the less you hear from me, the more you hear from them. So I've reached out to all the panelists. They've given me feedback. I have a few ideas of my own of where I'd like to take the conversations, but it's really been a joint effort. So we're just going to let this flow. It's going to be very conversational. We're also going to be able to take questions on the call so you can ask your questions if you're on the session. There will also be a call on social media for questions as well. You can also email them to the NJHL. They've already received questions from several of their coaches and, and players that they would like answered. So uh, please do so because we're going to have that part of the conversation about the last 10 minutes of each one where it's all about the people out there, what they want to know from our panelists. Leah, thank you so much for doing this today, breaking it all down. We really appreciate it and we look forward to next week when uh, when the, we, these uh, great roundtables kick off. Thank you very much, Dave, for the time, and uh, we appreciate your support as always.